I think the breakthrough comes from a lot of people are carrying shit that they don't need. I drop it. I drop people and things and places and habits like a hot piece of iron. Like, I don't have time for that shit. You know, I just like, I just, I can come off as not empathetic. I can come off as I don't want to give people the time of day, but like, I can't have a friend in my life who's dragging me down. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest is really, really cool. Rachel Balkovec is a minor league manager for the New York Yankees, uh, and she is the first manager in professional baseball uh, that is a woman and has worked in professional baseball for 10 years. She's the first woman also to be a full-time strength and conditioning coach and to be a full-time hitting coach in the history of professional baseball. She's a highly sought after coach and mentor, and I'm really, really excited to have her. Uh, I tried, I think I messaged you like six months ago, and I love how focused you were. You're like, it's the season. No, hit me up in September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have you, Rachel. Thanks for being on here. Well, I'm glad you followed up because I, yeah, I just had to turn down a lot of stuff and try to make time, you know, in the off season when I have a little bit more free time. No, I love it. I love it. Just as a reminder to the listeners, subscribe, like, comment. It helps grow the podcast. And anyone interested in joining this community, go abundance.com, fill out your the application, and we'll talk to you about membership. Rachel, do you mind if we geek out on baseball first before we get into your story? Sure, by all means. I, I've been there's a guy I had on, Sean Casey. I don't know if you know who he is, uh, older player with yeah. the Reds. Yeah. So yeah. I've texted him and he hasn't given me a great answer yet. But I'm this competition committee stuff recently, the three new rules, the the larger bases. The um the pitch count or the pitch clock and uh the no shift. Let's yep. start with this. Your thoughts, good or bad for baseball? Um, I think it's you know I, I'll just go with if I, if I have to pick one, I'll I'll go with good. Um, I think anything that can make the game more exciting is good. You know, so there's really no doubt at this point that we're losing fans and followers to other sports. And that's kind of a product of just other sports becoming more developed, but also it's a product of the NFL is really exciting. People are getting tackled and there's all kinds of exciting things happen. So even if you're not the biggest football fan, you can still, it can be an exciting entertainment, um, you know, event. Whereas baseball, if you don't know what's going on, you might like get a little bored, you know? Yeah. So I think that, I think anything that can make the game more exciting, which is usually more offense, um, that's really always a good thing for the fans. So I, I would go with good. I think it's an adjustment period, but I also had the opportunity to work in the Florida State League this year. We had the opportunity to test all of those rules. I'm ask you, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was fine. It just wasn't. It just wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it was really a small adjustment relative to what you might think. What did you see? I heard it was like a thirty-six minute cut, maybe in time on it in a game on average, like a half hour shaved off the duration of the game. Oh, it was, I mean, I've been in baseball for, this is my 11th season. It was lightning fast. Like <laughs> it felt so fast. We were getting through games sometimes in two hours and 15 minutes. And so I think, again, that's a positive thing um, for the, for the fans, for sure. Yeah. You're, you're close to players and I'm curious about the player mindset on this competition committee from what I understand is made up of, I think six management officials. I don't know if that's, uh, like front office management or managers of the teams. I, I don't know, but whatever, six people in management, one umpire, four players on the pitch uh, clock and the yeah. shift, all the players voted. No, they, I think they have to know. They, they're aware that the pace of the game, the, the watchability of the game is dictating the future of the game because of all the other sports. What do you think? What I, I have my theory, but I'm curious what you think is why did all players vote? No. 
Uh, I mean, they don't, I, I'm going to say this lightly, and I don't pull this exact quote out without the context. Um, the players don't care about the fans. You know, they care about the players. Yeah. So if they're, their concern probably would be health. And so when you talk about a pitch clock, that means the pitcher is, is going a lot quicker, which means they're having less rest in between pitches and they're worried about the health of their arm. And so they're protecting themselves, which you, you have to respect that. And I will say, knock on wood, that um, we didn't have any like soft tissue injuries with our pitchers this year. Um, and all of them obviously did it. And so that's, you know, and everyone will say, well, that's the minor leagues, this is the big leagues. And there's going to be back and forth and back and forth. But honestly, I don't, I just don't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and from a hitting standpoint, our hitters adjusted really quickly. So they're protecting themselves, which they, they should, you know, and that's why they, that's why the committee is representative of a whole group of people, not just one type of person who has one type of interest. So I think they're worried about, you know, the injury stuff ship. I'm not sure why they would vote against that exactly, but, um, probably because it helps the defense so much. So maybe they're thinking, no, it's helpful. It's helpful. We don't want to get rid of it. So I'm not sure. Yeah, no, me neither. Me neither. Uh, real, one last point on the Florida League. Did scoring go up as well or no? Um, good question. I don't know. Uh, year after year after the season was over, I'm not sure um, if scoring went up. It's a good question. Yeah, I was curious if that was an impact from it. What does this do from a standpoint of roster building at any level? Minor league, major league, like our pitchers – do you have a, a, a longer rotation? Is it a six, seven player rotation for pitching? Does it does it diminish maybe the, I don't know, like I think of the running back in football, right? It used to be like ah, Adrian Peterson, you know, go back, Barry Sanders, a, a premier player. Now the running back's like, you can grab one out of the third round and throw them in there. You don't pay them. Yeah. Is there a shift um, coming in that regard? I don't know because, again, that would be like, I'm not sure they're going to have to pull data on did our pitchers, you know, get more tired? Did their velocity drop? Yeah. I saw it all season long and I'm not the pitching coach. So maybe he would have a different opinion, but um, I don't think we saw that. I think, I think it was fine from a health standpoint and performance standpoint. It was more of a mental like, Oh, I can't, I can't take three deep breaths and do my meditation in between the pitches. Like, Oh, okay. This is quick. And things speed up on me. But from a health standpoint, we didn't have any negative effects to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, and again, that could be, we just had a lucky year or whatever. So it, it just depends, but um, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure what's going to, what the future holds for that roster. Yeah. On a, and I guess the kind of a similar question on the development side, and maybe at any level that you've coached, whether it's strength and conditioning, hitting or managing an entire team, does it change in any way, especially at the, at the, at the, in the minor league uh, level where you're, you're into development, right? You're trying to get them there. Does yeah. it change the strategy from a conditioning perspective, from a hitting perspective, or, you know, like any of these, like no shift, does it change anything in terms of how you're developing prospects or will it? For us? No, no, that could be definitely, that definitely can be different for different teams, but for us, especially the way that we look at things, oh, excuse me. I had my coffee today. Um, Boring question. The way that, yeah, the, the way that we look at things is we we don't we don't care what what's happening out there. We just want to hit the ball hard and you know have a strategy like have a game plan and we're not going to try to hit you know around the shift or when the shift people move. We look, especially at this level, it's it's hard enough. Literally, it's hard enough to touch a baseball yeah. when you're up at, at the plate. Like we're not worried about 
you know, a lot of a ton of situational hitting or a ton of, Hey, hit the ball between this guy and this guy. Like, Oh, can you even touch the ball? Let's worry about that first. Right. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. You're uh, you've got a, a heck of an educational background. I think you spent time at LSU. You were in Amsterdam uh, at a school there, all in the, all under the umbrella of strength and conditioning. You were a graduate assistant at LSU. When did becoming a manager become a goal? Was that always the goal or was that just something that's um, after? first time in my life? This was not actually a goal. The Yankees approached me about it and asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. Um, that was, I don't want to say it was a surprise. I knew that there was kind of probably a shift coming and my future is in the front office. I, I'm pretty hell bent on being a general manager in the future. And so they knew that and they, we had an opening and they said, you know, are you interested in this? And um, it just felt like the next natural step for me because they know that I'm very invested in leadership. They know that I have a kind of broad view of things. And that's how I like to keep it is to know a little bit about everything. I'm, a, I'm very much a generalist. So they had an opening and it's, it's actually like kind of a traditional way that, you know, managers become managers is they, they're hitting coaches first and then they become a manager after that. Um, so I think it's definitely, it was just the Yankees seeing uh, an opportunity that fit me and, and put me in that role. Did it, did it feel like it was, I don't, I don't want to overuse the word, but like a pioneering role. Like, does it, did no. anything? You, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just kind of curious how you took no. it in being, you know, you are the um, first manager. I thought it got to the point where I thought, uh, I mean, we didn't even tell our Yankees PR guy when it happened, like nothing, you know, we were just like, Oh, okay. It's, the, it's this, this instance, we just thought, Oh, well, it's the next natural step. And I'm just going to be doing, this is my next promotion that I would get or whatever my next move in my career um, and didn't really think much of it. We didn't even tell anyone with the Yankees. And then I remember I went to a conference and I, with a bunch of baseball people and they said, Oh, we're, what are you going to be doing next year? And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be the manager, you know, in Loy. And the reactions were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And I thought, I thought, what? And the, I was so confused. I was like, maybe I should tell somebody like our media team, because if this gets out and they don't know about it, like it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So actually, um, yeah, so that I literally contacted the media person. I was like, hey, you know, I don't I don't know if it's gonna be a big deal. I just want to let you know I'm gonna be a manager. And they just freaked out. And of course it was it went public after that. So we literally didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and just that's just because it was again, it just didn't feel that way to us. It was just the nat next natural thing. Has it been a distraction at all for you? The attention, the media, anything yeah. like that or no? Yeah. Um, but I mean, people ask that and you go, Oh no, it's not a distraction. It's like anything that takes up your time or your mental space, anything. And obviously that could be social media. It could be your kids. It could be the show that you watch. It could be anything that takes up your time or your mental space is going to be a distraction. And so I think it'd be a lie to say, Oh no, it wasn't a distraction at all. Of course it was a distraction. Um, it's just about managing it and going, okay, what do I need to participate in? And what can I say no to? What am I responsible for doing because I took this role? You know, I don't think it's right to take a role and, you know, make history and all these things and and have it mean so much to so many people and then go, oh, no, I can't do any media. Don't talk to me. You know, like that's I want to be accessible to a certain point. So um, it was a distraction, but also I hope that I managed it as well as I could have given all the circumstances and you just do the best you can. And try not to let it affect your work or your job or my relationships with the people with the Yankees, but also kind of on the side, be able to take away and do an interview or, you know, do limited things while I'm at the field. So. Yeah. Just I, I, 
Yeah, I, I, again, secondhand, you know, seeing your focus, season focus, when, you know, messaged you early was the season. No, nope, I'm in the season. And even this week, it's like, hey, next week's off-season conditioning. I'm I'm out again. And I think I heard you on something talking about your family experiences that, hey, December, I'm, I'm having fun. But right now, it's go time. Have yeah. your goals changed now? Like, it wasn't to be a major league manager. You mentioned a GM. Are they the same? Or are they bigger? What's the goal now? No, they're the same. I mean, my my ultimate goal is actually to be a sheep farmer in New Zealand, but that's that's 20 years from now. So that's how I, um, I I always say that because it's like baseball really isn't the end goal. You know, that's just what I'm doing right now in this phase of life. And I understand that that is not I mean, it's just not sustainable if you want to do it at a high level and you see it ruin people's lives all the time. Yeah. You know, not baseball, but just high level sports. So um, my, my baseball goal would be general manager. And that's been pretty consistent for the past few years, but I've just taken a different path and I've taken a different perspective on what I need to do in my career to get there. Most general managers are very much, um, their analytics, their scouting, their office people that have spent their lives and their careers in the office. Whereas I've been on field in a dugout in a weight room, coaching players and really studying player development. Um, and so it's a definite, it's a different different road. And I'm hoping that that's actually an advantage in the future, because now I think part of the reason I want to be a general manager is sometimes decisions are made and you go, what the, what in the world is they thinking? Like, what are they doing? But it's because they've, they've never had boots on the ground, you know? And so they make these decisions that affect this entire organization of minor league players and they've never like lived it. You know, they don't know anything about it. Now I will have to learn plenty about the legal side and scouting and contracts so I'm also ignorant in certain areas. It's just going to be a different perspective for a general manager. Has anyone done? I'm trying to think of general managers today. Are there some names, some general managers that came up in this through the same way that you're proposing to? Uh, I'm confident that there's never been a general manager who started as a strength coach, but uh, there have been, and I'm trying to think of names. Um, there have been definitely several general managers who come from like managing, like been a manager. Yeah. Um, but most of them right now, I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to throw a number out there, but I'm guessing 80 to 90% of them came from a scouting or analytics background. Yeah. The Theo Epstein's the, the, yep. the Philly beans of the world, right? Something like that. So yeah. wow, that makes total sense. Are you, so what's the typical arc for where you are right now? Like, so for a minor league manager in a ball, like, I, I, you know, there's like rookie ball, a ball, there's, there's high level a there's double a, you know, you keep going up. Is it a one to two? What do you see? So somebody that's of your tenure, is this like, I should be here for two, three more years? Like what's normal, if you will? Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because it's like, there's nothing about my career that's normal or, yeah. or like I could be in the front office. What's the next question? Yeah. But. Yeah. I could be in the front office next year. I could be a manager for another couple of years. I, I really don't think I'm going to be a major league manager. I think I could be on a major league staff easily. I mean, I interviewed for a major league position um, prior. And I mean, honestly, I don't have a timeline period. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't think I'll be a manager for another five years. I think I'll be in the front office before then, but honestly, I didn't know I was going to be a manager. So I don't know. I just like, I just try to really put my head down and then the next natural step will present itself. Um, I've definitely had other opportunities to do different things that haven't felt right. And so I just say, no, you know, this, this feels right. I really like the Yankees organization. I like where we're going. I'm aligned. That's one of the most, I always tell people that I mentor, it's like, that's one of the most important things almost is just, do you like where you're at? Do you like the people? Are you aligned? Do your values align? Do your professional values align? Do you agree with what they're doing? 
um, a certain amount of like difference is good, but I, I love the direction the Yankees go, are going in general. And so I just, I'm good where I'm at and then I'll just keep progressing where I'm at. What is it about baseball that, that, that you have a passion for? Is it something specific? Is it a, a feel, a smell, a sound? <laughs> what is the, what no, is it? I, I, I'm not the traditional, like, I just love baseball and I grew up going to the games with my dad. I just don't have that story. You know, I'm not romantic about baseball in that way. I actually fell in love with the minor league system, which sounds funny because most people get into baseball so that they can be in the major league dugout with the lights and the cool players. And so they can say that they're in the dugout with, with this player. And I'm just not like that at all. I really, really am fascinated by the development system and the journeys that these players go through on their way to getting there mm-hmm. and just how that all goes down and all of the, the nuances of the minor league system and the Latin American players where they come from. I mean, it's just, it's, I'm still enchanted by that. And that's really why I got into the game, you know, 10, 12 years ago is because I was fascinated by the minor league system, which doesn't exist in any other sport. That's interesting. No, you're right. It really doesn't. What, um, what is it about? I, I just living down here in the Dominican, what is it about Latin America that produces these baseball prospects? Why, why is it such a hotbed? So if you could imagine, this is hard to imagine, but if you could imagine that in the United States of America, there was no football, there was no basketball, there was no soccer, there's no lacrosse, any, uh, there are no other professional leagues to play in. You would get all of the, you would get this incredible amount of talent and humongous athletes, by the way, playing baseball because there's just really nothing else. So sometimes we'll see, you know, Latin American players who are, you're like, dang, that guy should have played football. It's like, there is no football there. So there are no other options, but to play baseball. And then it creates the culture of like, everyone's obsessed with baseball because it's the only thing there. So we, the top tier athletes in the Dominican Republic play baseball. I would say no offense to anyone out there, but the top tier athletes in America actually play football, you know, (laughs) play football. They're the, the biggest, strongest, fastest, most pristine like athlete when you think about it they play football you know and so if if for some reason all of those guys grew up and they were they were the kids who were you know six six in their freshman year of high school you put a bat in that guy's hand and he plays baseball his whole life the game looks a lot different so anyway all that to say the dominican just they don't have any other sports yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a, you're right. It is football because there's so many body types, right? There's the huge lineman. There's the 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 longer, leaner, wiry type that plays corner or receiver. But they're all like they're fast as anything. They're strong as anything. And, you know, that sport fits that because it's available to them. That's a great yeah. point. What's your uh, as a coach, as a, as a manager, what is it? What's your superpower? What are you great at that uh, that you think makes you successful? Oh man, I the real answer I want to give you is I'm not really great at anything. I And that's a. I'm great at, at, no, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not great at anything. So I'm a generalist, you know, and I, and I'm like a generalist, uh, like outside of baseball, just life. Everyone, you know, if somebody's like, oh, I'm from this place. I'm like, oh, I lived there one time. And they're like, oh, I'm from this place. I'm like, yeah, I lived there for three months. Okay. Like I've just, I've been everywhere. I've done a lot of things. Um, I'm into business. I'm into sports. I'm into, I'm, it just, I have my hands in 10 different things. I'm a generalist at like to the core, you know? So I think that just being able to be agile and help wherever I'm needed could be my superpower. If it wasn't that, I would say it'd be honesty and and the ability to just be direct with people. Um, It's a superpower and a kryptonite. (laughs) So um, I do think that some players really 
crave that and want that. And some players really get shut down by that. So i definitely do not shy away from a tough conversation or holding somebody accountable or pushing somebody at all. And I think that is a really difficult thing for coaches, especially young coaches who are, you know, they get into prof- professional sports and go, I can't say that to this guy. And I'm meanwhile, I'm over there already said it five minutes ago, 10 times, you know? So I think just being able to be honest and have upfront conversations with, with guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I get to I get to hang out with some pretty cool like entrepreneurs that have done really big things, you know, big net worth and all that. And what I hear in you, what I just in this brief conversation that I think you have as a superpower that you share with these folks is a an intense sense of self-awareness and no shame about it. Right. Like you're you're not afraid. Like you said, uh, it's not like baseball. You you didn't feel compelled to tell the story of, oh, when I baseball is just something I loved always growing up. It was the thing my dad always whatever, you know, like you're just intensely honest, not only with others, but with yourself. And I think that's that sounds to me like an incredible trait that probably serves you very well, I would guess, on a day to day basis. So anyway, yeah, got to be. You just gotta be. Yeah, absolutely. Um being the first female manager and everything, we could talk in a moment and we will about, you know, maybe some of the challenges with that, some of the things that might be not as obvious. I'm sure you face chauvinism. I'm sure you face, uh, you know, mansplaining and all of that stuff. But I'm curious, the perks, what are some, what are some of the benefits? Like, is your is your cell phone filled with some of the bigger names than some of the other minor league managers have because you're the first female? Sure, what are some yeah. of the benefits of being? I mean, yeah, definitely the networking you're exposed to. And and I mean, look, I got in the game in 2012 and I made history for the first time in 2014. And I really started to, which by the way, I think just funny story since we have a little time is what people might not realize about my story, because now you could Google me and there's a million this or that stories and images. And um, when I first was hired in 2014, there was no social media. Yeah. I mean, it was starting, you know, but like, not like this, you know, it was not still right. like, it was just so uh, quiet and I was hired and like, there were no news stories. I mean, legitimately when I first was hired by the St. Louis Cardinals full time. So this is for 2014. I was in major league camp. Yardier Molina's there, Wainwright, Mott, like all these big name guys were there. I was in major league camp, just doing my job. And I was like picking up cones after a stretch. And this reporter like taps me on the shoulder and he was like, um, excuse me. And I was like, yes, can I help you? And he was like, do you work for the Cardinals? And I'm like decked out in Cardinals, everything, you know? And I was like, uh, yeah, I do. And yeah. he was like, he was like, what do you do for the team? And I was like, well, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And he said, he said, are there any other women doing that? And I was like, no. And he was like, can I do a story on you? This was like a local Florida report. You couldn't find this online if you tried. Local Florida station, random guy who just picked me out. That was it. That was it. You know, until later in the year, MLB kind of picked up that there was a woman working as a strength coach. They came out and did a special that you probably can't find online either. You know, so it's like there was no media surrounding anything that I did, you know, early in my career. So all this to say probably 2015, 2016, I started getting calls from MLB to be on panels. And so I'm on a diversity panel with Kim Ang, who's the current general manager for the Miami Marlins and the first ever female general manager in the history of the four major sports. Mm-hmm. I'm on a panel with her, you know, I like, I get to meet Kim Ang. I get to meet um, Farhan Zaidi, who is the current, uh, excuse me, I think he's the current CEO of the Giants or president. I, mean, I don't know, high up for the Giants. Like, I get to meet all these people at these conferences and then obviously just more people reaching out. Um, I definitely like, I utilize social media to connect with people early on. I, I'm a 
bit more quiet and reserved, I guess, on social media now, but I was always connecting with people. I was always, you know, early on start to get, you know, asked to be on podcasts. So then somebody hears your podcast, they reach out to you, they do that. So I think that it definitely has provided a very large network is what I'll say. So there are definitely some perks to being in a role where people just want to talk to you. And if that's what you like, I like to talk to people. I like to be social. I like to network and connect with people. If that's what you like, it's a really big gift. There are some women I know that are in some roles that are like, ugh, like, don't contact me. I don't have social media. I don't want to do any of this. And that's probably a big burden for them. But for me, it's been really fun. Wow. Is it surprising? And I don't know if it would be different, surprising when you were going through it, or maybe in retrospect, looking back now, are you surprised that it took a couple of years before there was any attention on this? On you? No, because it was a different time. You know, it's like now it's, I mean, just the, it is crazy to see the changes happen in the past 10 years, even in the past three or four years, I'm not exactly sure what like tipped it over the edge, but this, the conversation surrounding women in sports is wildly different. And like the amount of things that people could have been fired for that happened in my first few years or like in the hundreds, you know, and now it's like, that. it's just, it's so diverse. The conversation is we want women here. We Women make us better. And I mean, when I was first getting into the game, I was I was blatantly discriminated against. Like I could not get a job, a low level internship job. And so it's not really surprising because I was living through like a lot of discrimination and difficult things early on. And now it's just it's shocking how fast the changes happen. But now I'm like, oh, I expected kind of when when I the tweet went out about me being manager, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, because I've seen the. Like, you know, the it's coming like this big wave of celebration and so many people supporting it. It's not surprising anymore. I'd, I'd say it's just shocking how fast it's happened. Yeah, no, no doubt. What You mentioned about uh, early on discrimination or, you know, not being able to get a job at a low level or whatever. Were you given any good reasons or were they was it a blatant like, hey, we just we're not ready for a woman in this yeah. in this role at this point? What were you told? Yeah, I was told um, it was, uh, you know, people were smart enough back then, but but it wasn't the same situation where, I mean, no one would ever say this to me now because they would be so terrified of losing their job and having their life ruined, literally. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was just so accepted that he told me this. Uh, basically, I'll try to keep this short, but I had <laughs> applied. Yeah, I, I had I had basically done like six internships and had a master's degree and had worked for the St. Louis Cardinals in, as an intern. I was applying the next year for another internship. Um, and I was pretty naive about what was going on because I got hired by the Cardinals for a, you know, short four month internship to work with their team. And um, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Right. Everyone's going to hire me. So I applied for, let's say, 10 jobs in Phoenix for an internship. And I got nothing back, nothing. And finally, like spring training started. And I thought I thought, well, these jobs are just really competitive. Like I couldn't even get a phone call with six internships in baseball all over my resume, LSU baseball, LSU softball. I was, I was partially bilingual at the time. Um, and so they, they, no one contacted me. And uh, I just thought, wow, these jobs are so competitive. These, these thousand dollars a month internships are so competitive. And so, so finally, and the organization called me like late in spring training, somebody had quit and they were desperate and they, and they saw that I was local. They called me and they were like, hey, we need somebody really quickly. Like, are you available? And of course, I was desperate. So it was a perfect fit. Went to go interview um, in person with this guy and everything went well. And he called me and it was like, hey, you're, you're the person we want to hire. 
we'll get the paperwork started tomorrow. We'll give you a call. Never heard from him. He just ghosted me before ghosting was a thing. He just ghosted me. And I was like, God, this is so weird. Like he literally verbally offered me the position and then never heard from him. Yeah, yeah. So of course, several weeks later, he finally calls me back and he's like, hey, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but I actually took, you know, your hiring to the higher ups and they said that they weren't willing to hire a woman. And he was telling me to apologize, you know, so he was, he was very apologetic. He's like, I feel awful. Like this is a travesty. I feel embarrassed. And I want to just tell you, like, it's not me. It's, it's definitely above me and I feel horrible. And so he basically told me that they, you know, blatantly had discriminated against me. And he also took so long to get back to me because he contacted all the other teams that he saw had open positions, which I had applied for every single job. So they all had my resume. And one by one, they all said, oh, yeah, we got her resume, but we can't hire a woman. So I knew that at that point, it wasn't just one team, but it was many teams that were discriminating against women. So it was a pretty blatant, obvious, you know, term. And then I, the other conversations went off that I'd have with people, right? So I'd meet a strength coach in baseball and they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really hard because you're a woman. And you're like, oh, okay. I didn't. Thanks. You know, thanks for saying that. So it was pretty blatant and it was as you can imagine, like I said, it's, it was so blatant because it was just so normal. Like, oh, well, we can't hire a woman. Sorry. Like they were just able to say that, you know, which now would just, again, annihilate your career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. What At the time, was it, was it shrug the shoulders, move on? It's just the way it is. Or were you thinking I had to do something about this? I'm kind of curious what your mindset was when this became apparent, like, wow, I'm just being boxed out because I'm female. That's the only reason. Was there anything um, you were thinking, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go to the media. I, I don't know. Any, any. No. Oh God. No. no, I would never be. If I, people say, well, why don't you sue that organization? They blatantly discriminate. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, like the time was not where they take the women's side. It was like, wow. Yeah. you know, it's like, I wouldn't, if I had complained about anything that went on in my career, I wouldn't be here now. I mean, now I see women going to social media all the time. And I just think that's a, you know, that's a fucking privilege mm. that you can go and complain about something that's going on because prior, if you went and complained, you would be ostracized. You would never get a job again. Yeah. So you better, that's a career switch. If you're going to do that. Now it's everyone backs the woman and takes the woman's side and, and it ruins the men's career. So I'm not saying that's right or wrong or the other. I'm just acknowledging a difference. So um, why didn't I do anything? It just, I wouldn't have had a job ever if I had said something. So um, more so it was, it was definitely not struck my shoulders. It was, tears and anger and bitterness and chip on my shoulder and like, you know, okay, I'll, I'll be back next year type of feeling like, all right. So I sat out a full season of baseball that year 13, 2013 and did another internship for free at Arizona state and um, ended up again, next season, have some pretty difficult times better. I got another, I got an unpaid internship in the winter time with the white Sox. Uh, excuse me, $35 a day internship. And uh, basically unpaid. And then um, finally, it was late in that offseason where I thought I was going to sit out another year and the Cardinals called me back and actually hired me full time. So it was really only one year sitting out completely. And then the Cardinals, I always give them credit for taking the actual leap. You know, now organizations hiring women it's actually becoming standard, you know, but back in that time, there was like, I think two, there were two total women being an athletic trainer for the Dodgers. Wow. How many women are in the, I don't know, the pipeline or kind of in coaching roles or different roles like that, even front of office roles right now. I don't know if there's a, 
If it's uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot yeah. in the front office. There, there's been a significant amount in the front office for quite some time now. But the coaching roles, I mean, I was I was the first, I like to always say, alongside Rachel Fulton for the Cubs, Rachel and I were hired almost the exact same time. So we just say we, we share the title. And we don't even know when each of us were hired. So we uh, we were hired in 2019. And then now there's 12 women in uniform in different roles, um, which is massive insanely fast growth uh for women in the game so there's there's 12 women across 10 organizations i think gotcha. in uniform of some kind that it takes on different forms and fashions could be an internship or a part scouting role part coaching role or kind of a assistant coach type of thing yeah when you take a year off of baseball or you're in an unpaid internship or making 35 dollars a day I, this is just curiosity how'd you how'd you earn money how'd you how'd you pay for your life uh waitressing Gotcha. Yeah, I would I would go and waitress. Um, I mean, which actually I ended up, of course, just like anything else. It's like I was so, like, really ashamed, you know. And of course, like during that year, I was getting all of these offers to work with women's sports. And so my little mind, my little mind at age twenty five was going, "Hey, I have all of this baseball on my resume, men's sports everywhere. I've worked really hard to make it that way." You know, I have a master's degree, da, 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 all this stuff. I'm I'm partially bilingual and I couldn't even get a job. So I thought like, well, if I don't pursue this, then what woman is going to come behind me and have a better resume that's more qualified to do this? Yeah. So I kind of just, even at that age was like, I kept getting all these um, division one women's sports jobs being presented to me. And I just was like, no, like I, no, I'm, if, if this is the way the world is, then I'm just going to change it. Like. This is not acceptable. So I think that year I was approached by eight different division one schools about women's sports jobs for strength and conditioning. And I just said, I wasn't interested and was going to wait for the next year. How close, how hard was that? How close did you say yes? At some point, did you ever come close? That's seven resolve, man. That's, that's hard. Went, I'll tell you this. I never went on, on an interview. Wow. I would always take the phone call because it was, I had just left LSU. So it's like, I was an LSU graduate assistant strength and conditioning coach, SEC sports. It's a big deal. Softball was in the college world series. Baseball was in the college world series. Women's basketball I was working with in the sweet 16, like really highly successful teams. So I was getting a lot of leads for jobs and I'd always get on the phone with them. And my one ask was, can I have a male sport? I don't care if it's men's soccer, men's, equestrian like i don't give a shit whatever it is can i have a men's sport and they were saying no um and so i just yeah i mean i didn't really come close i never took an interview i just got on the initial phone call to, to learn more about the job and then i would just say no so um anyway so i i didn't really get close i mean i was trust me i was not a happy person i was sure, sure. there are many tears there are many times where i was upset um, and just frustrated and can remember having a lot of phone calls with my family, my friends, you know, and just being frustrated about it. But I just, again, pretty quickly was like, fuck that. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up. And again, who else has a resume like this? Like I had a very, very, very qualified resume for a young person seeking an internship. Like I had an overqualified resume, um, and couldn't get anything. So you know, that's some resolve. Wow. That's incredible to think you, you've made this decision at a young age too, right? 25. I mean, that's, that's still, you know, you're right out of college or for you, you've done even more than just kind of, you've done some post-secondary work. So to make the decision that, no, I would you say, I'm going to, I love that. I'm going to just change the world. <laughs> you know, like that I got to is... change it. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Buckminster Fuller. 
And this, I kind of like, I have this literally written on a piece of paper that I had on my wall during my second master's degree in Amsterdam, but the quote, and I'll kind of uh, paraphrase, but it basically says, what is my job on the planet? What is it that needs to be done that I know something about that if I don't do it, nobody else is going to come behind me and get it done. And it's like, I just feel like, you know, at a young age, I'm like, this is my purpose. This is something that outside of just, you know, teaching someone how to hit a white ball, um, that this is a purpose that I could serve in the world. And I know I can do a good job, be successful at it. And I felt that way even at age 25 and I'm still doing it, you know? Incredible. So when the Yankees approached me about being a manager, if I don't, if I know I can do that and I know I can command respect and do it well, and I, it's going to open up doors for other people, then like, that's my job, you know, it's like I, I got to fucking do it. There's yeah. really no option. I love that. Are, any, any struggle with players that first, this first year, you know, you being no. the first female manager or anything like that? Um, no, not, you know, if, if I have a problem, I always say if I have an issue with the players, because all the coaches have an issue with the player, it's not because of my gender. It's because sure. it's that, you know, the player is not uh, super easy to work with. Um, so, and, and I also knew a lot of those players because I had been a hitting coach in the organization prior. And so they just knew me. So I, I really have, I rarely have issues with players. Like it's been so rare. And frankly, I would just say, they'd never say it to my face anyway. So, you know, I've had a few instances where there's been a, you know, true altercation, altercation involving my gender um, over the course of 12 years. Mm. And I still look at them and go, Oh, like you're a young, really immature 20 year old guy who doesn't have any idea what the fuck you're doing in your life. Yeah. And I don't take it personally. I just think it's a lack of respect for a lot of people. You get uh, a lot from other teams, other teams, fans, anything like um, that. Or do your players get a, take a lot of Shockingly, I did not. I was shocked that I did not get a lot of heckling ends the season. And definitely there is more curiosity from other teams because they don't know me. So it's like, it's easy to look over and go, well, how does that work? You know, like, how does she, how is she in the clubhouse? How does Locker she, room. yeah, right. It's easy to feel curious. And I just, you know, when I was younger, I might've said, I might've been upset about it, but now I'm just like, look, it's change. It's change. When my computer updates, I get upset. Cause I'm like, what get like, what is happening? You know, I'm like, I don't like change. You don't like change your iPhone updates. You're like, where's my app? Like yeah. what is happening? <laughs> and so it's just, it's the way that people process change and learn about different wow. change. Like that's just how it is. And it just so happens that I'm at the epicenter of the change. And so unfortunately some of that awkwardness or, not accepting or curiosity comes directly to me. And I just am like, well, guess what? It's an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to change your mind. And I'm glad that I'm the person that you're watching because I will change your mind. So, okay. You know, might not be great for me, but also I, I take a lot of pride in being able to win people over and change their mind and go, Oh, well, I'm, you know, actually I met that Rachel, the manager for the Yankees. She's pretty legit. Like, yeah, she knows her shit and she's, she's really serious about her job. And then that changes somebody else's mind. So it's just an opportunity for me. Wow. Such a, it's just, just a strong human being. It emanates from you. That's really, really cool. I mean, it's incredible. Like, like bullheaded in the best possible way to use that term. You know what I mean? Like just not going to give up. No excuses. Fucking roll forward. That's it. Some I've been called bullheaded once or twice before in my life. 
I think it's a good thing. I wish I were a little bit more. I meant that in a positive way, by the way. I don't want you to take it the wrong way. Yeah, you, know, you got you got access to bats. I don't I don't need to piss you off. So um <laughs> you you coach and mentor people, like who? I don't mean the names, but what what's the is it women who are struggling to break through in a profession? Like who who do you mentor? Who do you coach? I'm curious. About the that. demographic is usually mid-20s to mid-30s women, usually, but it's I mean all over the map could be, I've mentored a 56 year old man. It's just all over the map, but mostly mid twenties and mid thirties. And I would say it's women who have arrived at a point in their career where they're either stuck or maybe they made some poor decisions early on in their career and they didn't set up the foundation for their career. So they need to course correct. Um, but really it boils down, boils down to confidence. And yeah. if, if, you know, the, the feedback of the post um, survey after my mentorship program, um, almost every mentee will say, the word confidence will pop up. What did you get out of this mentorship? Something about confidence. I feel more confident in my resume, my cover letter, the way that I'm presenting myself. I feel more confident in my decision to change my career. I feel more confident in where I'm going. I feel, uh, I feel more confident in the workplace, like and how I'm talking to people. So it's, mm. it's really about confidence, and I, I feel like I've had to really develop that. I mean, I've definitely always been a confident young woman, even when I was 16. You know. But refining that and having perspective on that as you move through your professional career, uh, especially when you hit challenges and the challenge could be related to gender discrimination or it could be related to, hey, I want to change my career. And I've done that. You know, I went back to school at age 30 um, and gave up all of my worldly possessions and went into crazy amounts of debt to redirect my career. Um, and it worked out, you know, so I think. I think that it's really just coming down to people want somebody to tell them they're doing the right thing or to tell them they're doing the wrong thing, you know, and they want clarity. So, I mean, there's been so many, I can't even tell you how many times we get on the first mentorship call and I've already done pre-surveys to kind of learn about them. And um, so we get on the first mentorship call and I'm like, all right, so here's what I think. And they just start bawling and they're like, I wanted to do that. I knew they should have done that, but I didn't. I didn't have anyone to tell me and I didn't know for sure. And it's just like this relief of like, all right, go confidently in the direction of your dreams now. Like I give you permission. So I think that's really what it boils down to. Holy cow. What are, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you are, you just mentioned kind of one. So I was going to ask the question that you just said what you said, but maybe I can, we can further that to build confidence. And I know every client's different. Every person's situation is different, but are there two or three themes that either erode confidence or where you see people are able to break through in achieving confidence. So there are a couple of, however you want to take that. I'm just curious about some themes around building confidence, like either where the trauma typically comes from or the lack of confidence or how people typically break through. Um, how I'll start with how people break through. I I'm tell people all the time, like don't join my mentorship if you're not ready to sell your home and fly across the world and move to another place. The breakthrough comes from letting things go. And so that usually means, I mean, people, it's like they'll break up with their significant other. They'll get divorced. They'll move, quit their job. Like I think the breakthrough comes from a lot of people are carrying shit that they don't need. And I have a, again, a strong point and a weak point is like, I just will, I drop it. I drop people and things and places and habits like, like a hot piece of iron. Like, I'm just like, Oh, it's over. Like, why? Why? Like what's it? What just because I don't, 
I don't have time for that shit. You know, I just like, I just, I just do not, it's such a waste of time. And so I can come off as not empathetic. I can come yeah. off as I don't want to give people the time of day, but like, I can't have a friend in my life um, who's dragging me down. Mm-hmm. And if, if you are dragging me down, I don't probably consider you a friend. I would consider, you know, and that's different than the players and people that I mentor. Like those are people that I, that relationship is different. It's my job to have them rise up. No, I get if that. we're truly in a friend circle or something like, and you're, and you're fucking around or you're not serious about what you're doing. We probably never became friends in the first place. So I'm not sure. Like I don't make that mistake too often. So it's just, it's just time. And so evaluating your life and going, okay, are you spending two hours scrolling on social media? Are you catching up on your favorite show every fucking day? Like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't watch television. I don't understand that. I know that some people, a lot of people, million, billions of people do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's normal. But I just like, I am so efficient with my time. And I just feel like that comes from my ability to let something go. I mean, some people talk about their favorite TV show, like it's their firstborn son, like, oh, I have to watch it. Like they talk about, they talk about their cell phone, like it's cocaine, you know, they're like, I need it. I need it. I actually paid a player this year. Um, I did like a little contest with him and I was like, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. This was like the last two weeks of the season. And I always would give him shit. I'm like, you're, you're, it's an addiction. Like your phone is cocaine. Like all he's on his phone distracted. I find him in the locker room when he didn't need to be in there on his phone. And I finally was like, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. If you put your phone in my office an hour before the game and you don't get it until you leave every single day for the rest of the season. And of course, by the end of the season, he was putting it in there three hours before the game. He's like, I feel so much better. I'm not distracted. I'm interacting with my teammates. I'm having better conversations. I'm like, Oh, you don't say, you know? So I think that letting things go is the breakthrough. Like that's, that's, that's like the most hindering thing for people is they go, well, I can't do that because my boyfriend this. And I'm like, Mm. well then fuck that boyfriend. Like that Mm. is over. I don't know how, like, that's oh dead he's dead to me you know so i think that's really the the you asked me a dual question and it's the same answer it's like no 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 no. that's that's a great answer i i've shared this on the show before but i uh i i was uh in my 20s i was in a relationship that i that i called off three weeks before the wedding like kind of a shitty thing congratulations Thank you. Thank you. But no, it's not right a thing shitty thing to do. It's a great thing that you well, saved her divorce. But I knew for a year that I should have done it. <laughs> okay. Well, that happens to all of us. We right, all right, know right. before we cut something off, we all know for a certain amount of time. I would say mine is just a lot shorter than everybody else. Like I yeah. feel I have a feeling and I'm like, ooh, oh, it's over. And then, yeah. and then I cut it off. But most people have maybe a longer, like, I think it's over, but I'm gonna try this for another six years. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's okay. The um, uh, the the idea was like, oh, I, you know, maybe I'm just cold feet. You know, I talked to my friends. And they all had miserable relationships. I'm like, well, this is normal. I just got to get over yeah. it, whatever. But when I caught when I ended it, it's like not only did uh, I met my wife two weeks later, and we've been married twelve years now, as of as of last Friday. Awesome. Um, but so like the clearance of that relationship opened up a better relationship. One. But more than that, like everything got better. So I, I always say, like, you know, the the what I would do would be to numb, eat, go out, drink, party, have fun, do what anything other, you know, go on a vacation, anything but deal with what needs to be removed right in front of me. I did that for yeah. so long. And when I removed the thing, 
all the like health wise, I would work out because that's what I'm supposed to do for health, but breaking the relationship got me, you know, in better shape, right? Like I would work harder at work to try to get the promotion, but breaking the relationship freed up my energy in order to get the, I moved to Boston right after that. And, you know, boom, 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 here we go. So it's, it's a great point around building confidence and just breaking through, or I guess the other way around, you're saying breaking through to build confidence is it's, it's not potentially the thing that is seemingly in the way, like I can't get promoted. Well, that might be because you're in a bad marriage or uh, whatever it might be. There's something blocking you that just sort of permeates everything. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And and most people don't link those two together, but they're, it's a light, it's your lifestyle, you know? And so it's, but instead of saying improving your lifestyle, you have to get really specific about what in your lifestyle is really holding you back. And we all have those things. I, I have those things right now too. Something, you know, and, and some you're aware of and some you're not. And obviously you just try to do your best to to manage. Sometimes you allow it to be in your life because it's a family member or something. And you, you know, um, I mean, those are, those are real situations as well. Or you're married and you have kids and you want to keep the family. Like those are real things, but you just try to manage and minimize the things that are holding you back. Love it. Love it. I feel your energy lifting on this stuff. I could see how you get passionate with your clients. So uh, I want to share one quick uh, screen image here and get your take on it because this, this okay. fascinated me. Uh, I don't know if you could see that or not <laughs> yet, but uh, what the yeah. hell happened here? A, a, a brawl, oh. a, a bench clearing brawl? What happened? <laughs> God, there's some ugly pictures of me online. It's just so annoying. You know, you're like, God, if any young well, woman this is saw like, this, this is not like a bad hair. Um, okay. Yeah. The getting hit in the face, though. Uh, so I was, oh God, it's, there's the, I was, uh, I was side tossing, like basically there's a drill where you kind of like toss from the side and this is super common. It's done all the time. And I've done it a million times and I just, I tossed one and he kind of caught it a little bit late or wrong and hit it straight back at my face. And, uh, I was really lucky. I'm so lucky. I mean, smile on your face here. Could have been a lot worse. So, I mean, I I was temporarily blind in my left eye. I went to the hospital, couldn't see anything out of my left eye. And then slowly but surely started to come back. And then now I have zero problems, which is, I mean, every doctor I see is like, you're a miracle. Like what happened? So no teeth broken, no jaw, no nose. I mean, it just hit me right in the right spot. And that's a haymaker. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. So. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, wow. Well, glad you recovered from that. Incredible. Rachel, I appreciate this so much. Again, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, where can folks learn more about you, reach out, whatever it might be to, to, to get to know you more? Easiest ways are probably I'm I live on I live mostly on Instagram, not super on Twitter or anything else. So uh at Rachel.balkovec, I think, and then Rachelbalkovec.com if you want to reach out to me or uh I just my mentorship went. Well, I sent out the uh, invites today, so there'll be another round coming in December and possibly an in-person event. Um, trying to work that out, December, January time, maybe New Year's. So, so yeah, rachelblockovec.com and rachelblockovec on Instagram. Amazing. Thanks again for coming on. I appreciate you being here. It's been fascinating. It's been better than I expected, so I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. 